So today we're going to learn the Sicha, which is the second Elul Sicha. There's two Elul Sichas in volume 19 of Lakuti Sichas. And we're going to learn today the second Elul Sicha. It's not such a lengthy Sicha in terms of amount of words or pages, but it contains a heavy, beautiful, beautiful, mystical, Kabbalistic insights to the theme of Elul and obviously to the relationship that we have with Hashem, which actually ties it in and makes it very personable, the whole experience of going into this month of Elul. This is a sikha that the Rebbe spoke in 1973 on this week's, it was this week's Parsha. So the Rebbe begins with the idea that in the month of the Hebrew calendar, it's called, the month is called Elul. And it's a well-known idea that the month of Elul is a month that connects the past part of the whole year and the upcoming year. Elul is the, you know, it's just that month, this transition month that's connected to the past and connected to the future. And therefore, when we talk about our service to Hashem in the month of Elul, there's a two-part fold to it. Number one, we have to make a proper, what's called a cheshbon tzedek, a proper cheshbon, a proper accounting of the past year, of our actions and our deeds, and to figure out where there's necessity for repentance, teshuva, for any deeds that were not good. And by making this good reckoning of calculation, that will help us to fix and to complete, to correct anything that needs correction from the past. That's not that's part one of the service and practice that we do during this month preceding Rosh Hashanah, the month of Elul. Number two is the focus on the preparation for the upcoming year by making good resolutions and through this securing a good year to be written and sealed for a good year and a sweet year, Lashana Tovo Masuka. So Elul has both components. We make a reckoning for the past to see where I went wrong and what I could fix. And the second part is the actual preparation for the upcoming year by making good resolutions, etc. Now, we have, an, we have a concept that we know that the names of the month of the year, so the first month of the year, going from the first month when we left Egypt, when we came on people, Pesach time. So that month is called the month of Nisan, the month of miracles. The next month is called Iyar, etc. All these names are names that are mentioned in the Torah. Now, what do we mean in the Torah? Not the five books of Moses, but in the books of the prophets. It speaks mainly about the period when we went up from the exile, the Babylonia exile, at the end of the 70 years after we were kicked out of Israel for 70 years after the first temple was destroyed, we went back up from the Babylonia. And it's in Babylonia and Bavel that we adopted the names for these months. Till that period, we pretty much used only numbers of months. Pesach is in number one. 
we counted 49 days the Omer, Shavuos is in the third month, Rosh Hashanah is the seventh month, Yom Kippur in the seventh month, Sukkot in the seventh month, right, and so on. So the names are mentioned in the Torah, since these names are mentioned in Biblical Torah, meaning in the Tanakh, and many of the names, including the name of Elul, Elul is mentioned in the book of Nehemiah. In the prophet book of Nehemiah, over there in chapter 6, verse 15, it mentions the name of the month Elul. So it's self-understood that once a word, a name of something is mentioned in biblical text, that means that there is an internal connection of the name of the month to the significance of the, what the whole month is all about. Otherwise, what's the point of this name? It has to be that the messages for the month lay in secret, or in more not so secret, but in the name of the month. In other words, we don't just pull out a name out of the hat. Oh, this is called Elul. A combination of letters, you know, you, you throw it in the air and the landed and these letters, you know, form a word. That's not the way it goes. If it's in Torah Shebik if it's in the written Torah, in the Tanakh, that means there's a deep significance of that name of the month to the whole depth of the month. Therefore, we must say that in the month of Elul, as we just said, there's two components to this month. This month is all about the reckoning for where we, any room that needs improvement from our bad actions in the past year, and it's a preparation for the commitments of good deeds for the upcoming year. So both components, past and future, lie in this month, and obviously it lies in the name of the month. We actually quoted this many times from the Tanya, and he brings it down the footnote here, he quotes there from the Tanya, where the Baal Shem Tov taught us, that the Rebbe brings down that the Baal Shem Tov taught us that the Hebrew word of every single thing in this world is the name of the Chayus, of the life that gives the life sustenance to whatever the subject is. Over there he brings an example from the word Evan for rock. And Evan is made up of three were three letters, Aleph, Beis, Nun. So it's the significance of the spiritual life that's in the word letter of Aleph, Beis, Nun that makes it the word Evan that gives the, that kind of level life to the rock. And so to, to everything that has a name, it's a combination of letters that gives the combination of the kind of life into that subject. So the combination of these letters that make the word Elul is the secret to the whole point of what the theme of Elul is. Therefore, when we find amongst the hints of the name Elul, that the word itself has two parts to it. And as we learned many times, a word that has four letters, you could possibly make the four letters into two words. A word that has three letters, it's very hard to make two words, because then you're going to have two letters, one word, and when you have one letter, it makes a word. So especially when a word has four letters, it actually could mean two different, easily two different themes. And the four letters that make the name Elul is exactly going to help us to understand the two points of this month. The thinking about 
behind the, for the months before of the year of El, and then thinking about the upcoming year. Now, if you have a pencil or pen, it would be wise to write down the letters that spell out this month of Elul. And you're going to see a com- different kinds of combinations in how to spell out these letters. So the word itself, Elul, is spelt Aleph, Lamed, Vav, Lamed. Okay, so you take so you have El Aleph Lamed Vav Lamed. Now, from the from the hints that are that are alluded to in this word El, we have two kabbalistic. Insights that give us insights to two different ways of understanding these four letters make up. One is from an explanation. First, he brings from the Tzemach Tzedek. The Tzemach Tzedek, whose name was Menachem Mendel. Actually, the Rebbe is named after him. And actually, the Rebbe's wife is named after his wife. They both both had the name Chaya Mushka. They both were the only Rebbes that lived longer than their wives. Their wives passed away before them. And just different things about them, you know. There were also, well, many different similarities. But in any case, they also lived the longest among the other Rebbes. In any case, the Tzemach Tzedek had, he's the third Chabad Rebbe, the grandson of the Tzemach Tzedek. He was also a son-in-law to the Rebbe before him. Our Rebbe was also a son-in-law to the Rebbe before him. So lots of similarities. In any case, the Tzemach Tzedek brings down in his Sfarim, where he writes about all different kinds of Torah ideas. So he tells us like this, that the word Elul is made up of two words. Loi and Loi. You know how in English, you know how you say no with a capital N, right? In Hebrew, you say Loi with an Aleph. Lo, Lamed with an Aleph is No. So when I say loy with an aleph, it means no. If you say loy with a vav, lamed vav, it means to him. Different, different meaning, right? Lamed aleph and lamed vav. So he says if you take el, and you could spell, take the same four letters, and you could write lamed aleph, and you could write lamed vav. Just change around the order. Okay, so you can have loy and loy. It's both loy. But one means loy where the aleph means no. And one means loy with a vav. Now, what's the difference in Kabbalistic terminology when you refer to something as no or you mean to say him? What's, what's the difference in Kabbalistic terminology? So let's just take a few seconds and, and give a memory uh, a few, uh, um, to remind, use our memory a little bit in the subject of what's known as the Ten Spheros. You may be familiar with the Ten Spheros. There are three intellectual spheros that are intellect, they're components that in the more in the brain. That's divided up in the three intellectual capacities, which is Chachma, Bina, and Da spells Chabad, wisdom, intellect, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. And then you have seven emotional attributes. Called, these are called the ten spheres. 
Ten spheres broken up into three and seven. Now, just like a person's body, you could have a body which is also made up of parts. You also could have a crown on top of your head. So you have a head and you have a crown on top of your head. A king wears the crown, you know. When we said Nasev and Ishmael, we got a crown from Hashem. There's times we have a crown, yeah. So the spheros, the ten faculties called, called the spheros, also has something called keser, a crown. What does it mean in English when you say keser, a crown, for mystical terms of the ten attributes. What does it mean? Something that's a crown above, which means basically this is a category that's above the ten spheres. What that means is like this. When you say ten spheres, that means they're all connected to each other. Just like your body. Your body is all connected. Your head may be the Rosh, but your head is connected through your neck to your body. You have your hands your arms that connected to your stomach, which is connected to your feet, and so on and so forth, right? Your legs, and so on. So, when you say the ten spheros, they're all connected to each other. Actually, we say there's like a chain of like, you know, uh, what do you call it? The rings of a chain. They're all connected one to each other. You keep on going up and up. But then there's a crown. The crown is not really connected. The crown is above it all. Just like if you'd put a crown on your head, the crown would be above it. So when you say something is connected to the crown, that means what you're trying to say is that it's above things that are connected. It's above the histalshalus, the chain reaction of the spheres. So he says, when you say low, as the word no or low as the word to him, when you say the word loy, which means no, what you're saying is, I'm referring to a place that I can't really connect to. It's above. It's above me. That's why I'm, I'm saying it's loy. It's not for you. It's like, it's, it's not, not that it's not for you, but it's like, it's out of reach for you. So we call that level loy connected to a crown. When you say loy with a vav, now, Vav is an interesting thing. Lamed Vav, in English, you translate that, it means to him. But also, the letter Vav is in numerical values, it's number six. Now, in the seven emotional attributes, you have Chesed, kindness, Gvura, restrain, Tiferes, beauty, Netzach, Victorious, Hide glory, Yesod, a foundation, and all these six sits in the seventh one, which is Malchus, sovereignty, kingdom. Take, for example, a king, which is sovereignty over his people, a king doesn't have anything of his own. The only way the king has wealth is because people pay taxes. So he only has what the people give. So too the attribute of sovereignty of Malchus is only something that has from the six. So the six emotional attributes kind of sits in the seventh one. And now it has the power to be dominant, a king, and control and help and guide and so on. So really, the seven emotional attributes are made up of six 
sometimes you can call it the six, or you can say the seven, depending on what you're talking about. So since here, it's loy lamed vav, vav is six. Therefore, it's connected to the attributes that are connected to each other. So to summarize, he says like this, when you say loy as no, it means it's no, meaning it's not really connected to us. It's out of bounds. When you say Lamed with above, it means to you, to him, it's, there's a relationship to it. So you're going to soon see that there's two parts of the month of El. There's the part that's above us, and then there's the part that you have a relationship to. But before that, he says there's actually an example to this. There's a verse in the book of Isaiah. You could write down the source and you could check it up later. It's in Isaiah 63, verse 9. Over there it says, a verse that reads like this, Bechol tsarasam lai tsar, which means that it says like this, in all their troubles, he was troubled. Now, this is a very interesting verse. Many times in the Torah, a word is written one way, but because there's no vowels in the Torah, you could pronounce the word multiple ways. Okay? So the word lai, no matter what the vowel is after the lamed, whether it's an aleph or a vav, it's still going to pronounce the same way, lai. But how is it written? It's written actually Lamed Aleph. But how do you pronounce it? Lamed Vav, which is a funny thing. What do you mean you pronounce it Lamed Vav? You're pronouncing it the same way. Lai Lai. What's it? How do you know if it's Lai Lamed Aleph or Lai Lamed Vav? How do you know? You can't really know it from hearing it, but you could know it from your intention of when you pronounce the word. What are you thinking? When you're pronouncing the word, are you thinking the word with an aleph or a vav? So when you say, in all their troubles, in all their troubles, he is, he was troubled. So you could say, in all their troubles, he was not troubled. That's if it would be no. It would be negative. You'd say, he's not troubled. Or you could say, in all his, in all the, their troubles, the Jewish troubles, he was troubled. Positive tense. So he says it depends from which angle you're looking at the relationship of God with the troubles. If you look at the relationship of God in the level of loy with the aleph, that means he's not there. Meaning he doesn't feel the pain. But if you read it as lamed vav with all the troubles, he is there, that means he feels the pain. Now, what does that mean? I want to use an example for when you people fly in a plane. When you're flying on a plane, in the beginning, everything is relevant. Everything is there. You could see a people from your window of the plane. You could see suitcases. As soon as the plane starts to get up, and as it starts going higher, you stop seeing the differences between people and cars. They just look like things or dots. And then when you get high and uh, higher, it all looks the same. You don't see differences between things. 
So he says, when you're talking about God, there's two components here with Hashem. The same Hashem, Hashem is infinite. So Hashem has a part that He's in the world, in our pain, feels it, sees it, and so on. Then there's a place where you're above it all and you don't even feel it. That's one example. I want to use another example you see with people. You see with a teacher and a student. Sometimes you find a teacher where a student gives a dig to the teacher and the teacher is very much in pain for what the kid said. Why? Because the teacher is very close with the student. So he feels it. He feels the pain that the student's going through or he feels the, 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 the dig that he gave the teacher. They feel the whole thing. But then you can have a teacher that's much more removed from feeling that closeness with them. He's a strong, he's confident, the teacher or she, they're confident, they're strong. And okay, a student said something, well, I'm going to take it personal. It's only a student, it's a youngster. Sometimes you could have this when the student is, let's say, a little kid in first grade. You're going to take them, you're going to get upset because the first grade student told you something not nice. Said, oh, I don't like your nose. So you're going to get all offended. If a student that's closer to your age and your understanding tells you, ah, this is your condition, you know, then you take it much more personal. So when you're talking about a teacher of all teachers, you're talking about Hashem himself. So there's a level that is beyond the connection with the feeling of the little things. Not that he doesn't feel it, but at that level, there is nothing wrong there in the student. Then there's a level where he's very close and he, and at that level, it does something very wrong. So you can have that a little bit, you know, in, in feelings also. You have it, if you want to illustrate it a little bit more, you could say when a teacher sees a problem with a kid in his class and the teacher calls up a friend and says, this guy, this kid, a disaster to the system, right? And the friends, yeah, 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 amazing, you're right, you should be kicking that kid out. But then the teacher goes and calls up the mother and says, you know your kid? Disaster of a disasters. We never had such a kid in our school in history. What does the mother say? You must be calling the wrong mother, not my kid. Right? Because from the view of the parent, you don't see the same bad negativity that somebody else sees. Because for many reasons, a lot of it has to do with you see the potential. You see all the goodness. So you don't get bogged down by, by these little things. You don't see it with the same way. So now when it comes to the, the angle of looking at things with the relationship of us and Hashem, there's two levels. There's one level that however we behave doesn't make a difference in the relationship that we have with Hashem. No matter what, Hashem says, you're my child, as we read in last week's Parsha, Bani Matam Lashem, we're his children. At other levels, Hashem says, I don't like this. I don't want you to behave like that. Right? So depending on the, on the level. So that's why when the verse says, Loib, in all troubles, I'm not there. Or all troubles, I am there. It depends on what, on what level that we're talking about. That's why that word, Loib, could be written one way, but it's pronounced another way. Even though pronouncing it and hearing it, you don't hear the difference. But you know the letters are different in the pronouncing. Therefore, you're thinking it differently.
So because of the levels of higher than than the normalities of the of the world, the steps of the world, whatever happens down here is not relevant. So Hashem's not not. What does it mean? He's not there. He's it's not felt from that level. But when you say all the troubles, he is there. It's talk, that's talking about the levels of the chain of connection of each level is connected. And over there, what happens is felt. Now, the connection of these two things, whether it's Lamed Aleph, no, or Lamed Vav to him, what, what's the connection to the month of Elul? Very simply, we know that in the month of Elul, there's a revelation of the 13 attributes of mercy. As God told Moses after the sin of the golden calf, he said, whenever you need to awaken my mercy, not the level of judgment, the level of mercy of Hashem, call out my 13 attributes of mercy. Because from the level of mercy, I could forgive everybody. From the level of judgment, no, 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 I'm judging you based on your action. So since in the month of El, we had the revelation of God's 13 attributes of mercy, which is higher than any levels that of reaching to, the Ishtalshlis levels. Over there, it's the first half of Elul, Lamed, and Aleph. When the 13 attributes of mercy are in a way where it actually comes down into this world and it's revealed down here and it comes internally into us, that's already Lamed Vav. So that's why, says the Tzema Tzedek, if you take the word Elul, if you read the first half as Loi and the second half as Loi with a Vav, different story. One is focusing on the part of Elul, which we focus on a level of Hashem where our actions are not really affecting anything in our relationship because bottom line is he's our father in heaven and we're his children in finito. And no matter what we do, we still have that level. And then the other level is the level of light with the vav where he is connected, where he feels the actions are different. So that's the two components. So that's the Tzemach Tzedek. Now we move to another well-known um, great sage, which was also uh, known to be a mystic, actually on his grave tombstone, it says the Makubal, the Kabbalist, the Makubal. Who was this? This was the Rebbe's father. The Rebbe's father was known to be a Kabbalist. He was a genius of Kabbalah literature, of these secret stuff, the codings of words and stuff like that. And he has an explanation. And again, remember we spoke about this many times. He writes very, very short shorthand because he wrote on the margins of his Zohar. He wrote all over on the margins his commentary while he was in exile. He didn't have paper, enough paper to write. So he wrote very short bullet points. And he wrote like this, that the name of Elul, he says, is combined is made up of the words Aleph and Vav, which spells out Oi and two Lamids. Different way how to look at this whole picture. He says like this. If you take the word Elul, let's, let's do it like this. You have Aleph and a Vav. And then you have a Lamid and a Lamid. There are two Lamids in Elul. What does this help me? So he says, let's, let's decode this. Aleph and Avav shows on the level of the seven emotional attributes. The simplest way to understand this is because what's the numerical value of an Aleph and Avav? Aleph is one, Avav is six. Together are seven. And there are seven emotional attributes. 
So he says there are two level, two main levels that make up these seven emotional attributes, especially the last one, as we said before. Malchus, sovereignty, is a collection of all the six in it. Like we used the example of a king. Dr. brings this down in the in Torah about the king that has everything from, from the people. So too, the level of sovereignty, Malchus, is a is collection of the six. Says the Rebbe's father that the Aleph and the Vav show on different levels in Malchus, in sovereignty. One shows on the crown component of it, and one shows on the level of knowledge that's in the Malchus. In other words, what is the main component? What's the emphasis? What do you look at when you see Malchus? When you see this 10th level of the 10 attributes, do you focus, oh, now there's a crown on top of it? Or do you focus on now the final combination of even with the levels of intellect is sealed in it? It's just just two ways how to look at it. So he says, in Aleph and Vav, you have these two, not just Kabbalistic terminology, but two levels of the way looking at the spheros. What does it mean? The two Lamed's, that's Aleph and Vav. But what's the two Lamed's? So he says, how much is Lamed? Lamed is 30. Now, very fascinating. There's a Mishnah, it's just so unbelievable. You can like fall off the chair when you read this. When he combines this mysticism component together with the regular components of Torah, it's like, wow, you can just see that flow together. In the regular revealed parts of the Torah, we have the Mishnah called Pirkei Avos, Ethics of Our Fathers. In the sixth chapter of Pirkei Avos, chapter six, Mishnah Hey, or according to the Alter Rebbe's version, it's Mishnah six, okay? It says there like this, that kingdomship, sovereignty, is acquired through 30, with 30 components, Okay? says different things, how many if is, uh, components you could require the wisdom of Torah, different things the Mishnah goes through. But when it comes to sovereignty, kingdomship, that you acquire with 30 components to it. The Mishnah there doesn't go through what the 30 are, but some of them are well known in the commentaries of the Mishnah. For example, you acquire a throne when you're the king. Meaning, it's your throne. Nobody's allowed to sit on the king's throne. When you're the king, you acquire a horse. Nobody is allowed to sit on the king's horse. So there are 30 things that become like special for the king that are, you know, that's relationship to the king. So now... We just said that there's two levels in sovereignty. There's the level of the way you focus on the crown that's on it, or there's the level of the seal completion of the levels of intellect that are in it. Because we have Chachma, Bina, Das, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. And we all know that knowledge is not complete unless you have knowledge. In other words, wisdom, intellect is not complete unless you have knowledge to it. Dr. Eber already said this in chapter 3 of the Tanya, that a person who studies Torah with his wisdom and understanding, only everything that you hallucinate about love and fear of God is going to be illusionary. 
They don't last. But if you have knowledge, it means you bonded with that intellect and then it lasts. You could find this a lot of times, by the way. There are people that could study Torah classes for a long time, even go to Jewish day schools, and unfortunately it doesn't stick because they never bonded to it. They only had the level of wisdom and understanding. If they would have knowledge, knowledge means bonding, becoming one entity with it. That's how you complete wisdom in a person is when you have also the component of knowledge. Right over there in the Tanya, not relevant, it's relevant, but it not, here's not the place to go into it. But over there, he, he, tell, he proves it from a verse that it says, Adam knew Eve and she became pregnant. So the word of knowing means true bonding that has the ability to have an outcome, an offspring. If you have just wisdom and understanding, there's no offspring to that. That's not bonding. That's very nice. That's a husband and a wife that only talk on the phone, right? So knowledge is the component that seals and makes the sovereignty complete. So he says, since there's two directions over here, we have sovereignty the way it's coming from the level with the crown, or you have the level where it's coming from collecting everything under it, all the other components of the other nine attributes. So you need two lamids to this kingdomship. If you're coming from the crown level or you're coming from all the way from the bottom up from the intellect. So that's why there's two lamids because the Mishnah said through 30 components, a lamid of components, you get true kingdomship. Now what's the connection to the month of El? It's very simple. The month that you finish before El is the month of Av. What happened in the month of Av? The temple was destroyed. That means God's kingdomship was tampered. Then you have the month of Elul that focuses on the days of becoming desirable to Hashem, called Yemei Ratzon, which comes after the month of Av. That means you're starting now building up the sovereignty. So an Av was the first part where sovereignty, Hashem's kingdomship, Hashem's sovereignty was jeopardized. The temple was destroyed. And then an Elul is the time where we build back up Hashem to be our king. Now, what's the connection between the two opinions? Let's summarize the two opinions again. The Tzemach Tzedek says that Elul is a makeup of loy or loy. Loy with a Aleph or loy with a Vav. Is it low as no, there's no connection? Or loy within, meaning there is a connection. So he says that depends on the attributes, whether you focus on the crown, the Kesser, or whether you focus on the six and then coming down into the seventh attribute of the emotionals. That's a Tzemach Tzedek's insight. So you're talking about either above Ishtalshlos, above normalities, or in the normalities. The Rebbe's father interprets the word alavav, meaning the two components of Malchus, of sovereignty, whether it goes on the king, the crownship of the sovereignty, or whether it goes on the intellectual sealing of the intellectual component of sovereignty. And then the two Lamets are the two, each applying the 30 levels of kingdomship to each way of looking at the Malchus. So he says, what's the connection of these two? It's not just that both of, they, both of these opinions say that the Aleph goes on Kesser on the crown, which is higher than the levels of normality. And the Vav goes on the way it comes down or 
like the tzemach, like the his father said, it goes on das, which you know, once you have knowledge, then that opens you up to all the emotional levels. Not just that; that's the connection, but even in relationship mainly to the idea of loy with the aleph, loy with a vav. Is it no with a capital N? Or is it a different kind of no, no as knowing? That's where the main place of the connection is. The reason why both of these levels are in Malchus, in the level of sovereignty, whether it's the crown of it or the knowledge part of it. So the Rebbe's father explains that the first thing is you have to have, what, do you, what, what element does a king need to have in order to become the king? The first thing is a king needs to have a desire to be the king, at least an enjoyment to be the king, or both, Oneg and Ratzin. That's called the crown to it. Because as we know, the crown represents the level of enjoyment and desire. And since there's no such a thing of a king without a nation, so the king needs to lower himself down and be connected with the people. Otherwise, he's not the king. A king that is not connected to people, what's, he's not the king anymore. What's, what, what are you the king? You're only a king if there's a people for you. If a person walks around saying, I have hundreds of animals, thousands of animals, I'm the king over all the animals. Are you a king? <laughs> you need a people to be the king of. And the difference between these two ways of looking at it, whether it's the pleasure and desire to be the king, is only in order to see the, the, the pleasure and desire to be the king is only when the king lowers himself down to the people. That means that you feel his higher level, you feel it because he lowered himself down. But if you, he would be only too high and the people wouldn't feel it, he wouldn't be able to be the king. So there's two parts to the king. There's the essence of the king himself, that he has the qualities to be the king, and then there's him lowering himself down to the people and becoming their king. But when you talk about the level of knowledge of the king, that's talking about the way the king, in like we say in Yiddish, he emotionally gets connected to the people. And he runs them through the laws of the way he sets up for his country. Over there, you could actually feel his running of the company. So the connection of the two explanations, these mystical explanations and that's and his father, the Rebbe's father is, that in the word Elul, there's the low and there's the light. In the level of the crown of the king, where the actions of the people down here are not relevant to him. It doesn't have. It doesn't even take up any place. Over there, it's in all their sufferings. Lights are. He's not there, meaning he doesn't feel their pains at that level. But in the level, the way it's the knowledge of the kingdom kingdomship over there, he feels the pain because over there, what our actions actually make a difference. So again, it depends in the relationship to what level this is all about.
Now, regarding these two things, that is the practice. Now, let's bring all this nice, beautiful, exciting ideas, but let's bring it down into the month of Elul in an actual way that makes a difference in how we live. You have the part of Elul, the way it focuses on the past year, and then you have the part, the way it's a preparation for the coming year. The main thing of Rosh Hashanah is, is to affect the reincarnation of God as our King. To awaken the desire that Hashem should want to be our king. In other words, awaken the essence, just like a regular person that would be a king. That's not interested. That's that's not running to be king. Let's call it. You know, but because he has the pleasure when he does and the desire he could do it, therefore you want to awaken and beg him to be the king. And this is the reason why. Before you blow the Rosh Hashanah, the Shaifer, you say these words, Yifhar lanu asnachalaseinu, Hashem chose, cho- cho- chooses us, our inheritance, because the being our king over the Jews is not because we actually practiced and studied Torah and did mitzvahs. It's because of a, the freedom of choice level of Hashem. In other words, if you say that Hashem chooses us because we studied Torah, because we did mitzvahs, that's not called freedom of choice. That's not choosing anything. I'm making a decision based on the quality. But when you say that he chooses us because our souls are just so special, so high, that's a different story. That's why it says, Hashem says, to, to, to exchange this nation for any other, I cannot do it. In other words, nothing to do with how we behave. A lot of times we're lucky he doesn't judge us in how we behave. He just wants us because the essence, he's married to us. He just has this deep place inside us. And this gets accomplished through this, that we awaken a deep level of humility because of the essence of our soul to Hashem. But to fix any problems from the past year, for that you have to make a good uh, recounting, a good cheshman tzedek, that comes to the Torah mitzvah level, that comes to following the commands of the king, and that's connected with the level of malchus, of kingdom, the way he does have a connection to us. Now, since Elul is one word, ultimately these two words are really all one word, Elul, so it's understood that the level of light with of Aleph, which means it's higher than the connection, and the level of light, the way it's connected, are all in one. The word means they're not two separate themes. They must be connected as one theme. How could you say these two themes are connected? So the explanation is that the proper reckoning of the past year is the life from Elul, with the Vav, meaning the way he's connected to us through our repentance and doing of good deeds, making up for any bad deeds that we could have maybe done. And the forgiveness that comes to the 13 attributes of mercy, where is Hashem forgiving you from? From the level that's higher than looking at the details of our actions. And through this, that level, our actions don't affect and He still takes us back. And over that level, He could he forgives us. And there... He now appreciates our Torah and mitzvah. So now, take an example, a child that does something bad to bad, and the parents don't like it. But then there's a time where you come to your parents on their birthday or whatever, yomtev or something, and they embrace you. Why? Because now we're not looking at the details of what you did. We're flowing out with our love, the fact that you even came into the house. 
The fact that you even called me. So too, it's the other way. When we say Hashem should be our king from Rosh Hashanah, that when the Jews crown God to be the king, that's the level of Malchus where he does not have a connection to the world. We're going much deeper level. and We bring it down to the level where it does make a difference and we do our Torah and mitzvahs. And through this, Hashem chooses us on Rosh Hashanah and he doesn't remain higher than the connection, but he comes into where the connection is. And this way, we're actually granted to be written and inscribed for a good year, for a Shana Tova Masuka, a good and sweet year for every single one of Israel, and in a good way, a revealed way, in a way where it comes all the way down, as the expression is, lower than the ten hand breaths even, meaning to the lowest levels where even impurities can't get to. And with this, we conclude the Sicha. But if anybody has